You're listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners, welcome back to your show. As always, this is your host, Sterling Chapman. Today, I'm joined with Chris Rude. Chris actually is, is kind of all over the place as a real estate investor. So I, he, he's he's done wholesaling, he's done buy and hold, he's done apartments. And what he's real big into now is uh, mobile home parks and uh, coaching other real estate investors. And so uh, you can find out more about that at chrisrude.com. But Chris, welcome to the show and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, man. It's, uh, it's a cool to do a podcast with a, with a local, uh, Louisiana next door. So that's cool. Where, where specifically are you from? Because that doesn't sound like a Baton Rouge accent. No, I'm, I'm a coon ass man. I'm from South Louisiana. I'm from, uh, Lafayette. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So yeah, just for, for those local listeners, I saw a, a targeted Facebook ad with, uh, Chris on the LSU right outside LSU on the, on the levee in front of the Mississippi river bridge um, with one of those target commercials. And, and I, I noticed him there. I said, man, he must be local. I, I, I wonder if I know him. And then I just started seeing him everywhere and he's doing mobile home parks and he's doing coach. House. So I reached out to him and begged him to come join us and, and kind of share a little bit of his wisdom and experience with us. Chris, can you kind of start from the beginning and uh, how you got into real estate investing and what that evolution looked like? So, um, man, I was always very uh, entrepreneurial as a kid, um, hard-headed. Um, shit, in fourth grade, I was trying to sell basketball and baseball cards out the back of my my book sack to people, rookie cards, and you know, things of that nature. So, I guess I always had a, an entrepreneur knack, sales knack. But long story short, I started a business out of the back of my truck when I was 22 here in Lafayette. While I was in college, I was a sophomore in college at UL here. And um, started an on-site oil change and uh, uh, car wash and rock chip and windshield repair company out of the back of my truck. Did that for you know two years. Graduated college. By the time I graduated college, I was shit. I was making about hundred grand a year just changing oil out of the back of my truck and fixing. Wow. It was this is in two thousand five, so that was a lot of money for a little twenty-two year old. While all my buddies were going to get jobs after college, like I'm just gonna continue to do this, but I realized I couldn't scale that you know, chasing people around doing on site. I needed to get a physical location. I needed real estate, right? And um, so basically what I did was I started kind of putting feelers out, trying to find a, um, you know, a physical location. So I would go around and to other quick lubes, like the little quick lube drive-through, take five places or, you know, these little drive-through and I would see it go, to, go up to all of them and see if they want to sell. Well, I found one that was interested in selling you come to find out he didn't own the building. He was just leasing it, and uh, but he wasn't paying his lease. But I ended up tracking down the owner and said, hey, kick him out. I'll I'll, uh, I'll pay the rent on time. And she ended up kicking him out, and he wasn't too happy about that. But I got my first physical location that way. First ex- first experience with eviction as well. Yeah. yeah with eviction. <laughs> and um, so, But I didn't own it. I was just leasing it. But I from there, I kind of like, you know, I doubled my income. I wasn't having to chase around people, you know, doing brake jobs, oil changes and, and blast repairs. So people were coming to me. Plus, I still kept the on-site stuff, but doubled my income. And I was like, man, this is the way to go. And I was like, I need to find more locations. Well, this is around 2005, right before the, the, the blow up, 2005, 2006, before the blow up of the real estate market in 07. You remember Katrina happened in 2005, sure. right? That displaced everybody, everybody from New Orleans. They went to Baton Rouge, Atlanta, Lafayette, or Houston. Well, I think Trina was what, 05? Yep, I think that happened. So well, the, mar- the, the real estate market was already hot. All these people 
and I had been back up prior to that, I think three or four years before that I had built a spec home right outside of Lafayette in a little town called Brobridge. And I noticed like every year my house value was like going up so much. It's like, this is ridiculous. In Brobridge? Yeah. <laughs> and I was right off the interstate. It was a good little, it's a brand new little neighborhood and a little spec home. And, and I, I noticed I had enough cognitive where I was like, man, this is before I knew anything about real estate. I was just watching everything. And this is right around a time too when HGT was putting out flip all these flip houses and stuff. And that got big, yeah. you know, years ago. So I guess that made me more aware of it. Well, as the displacement of people from Katrina came to Lafayette and all the surrounding areas, that almost magnified the real estate market to drive up the prices even more than what they already were currently with the demand for it as it was. So I told my wife, I said, I said, baby, we, we need to, we need to sell our house. Like we can make a hundred grand or more in our house right now. It's ridiculous. So she finally agreed to it. And we, um, we put it for, we, we painted a couple of rooms, landscaped the front yard, put it for sale. I was 25 years old at the time, 30 days later, we sold the house and made 127,000. I was 25 years old. At the time. Nice. So that was the first experience of like flipping a house, but that was pure luck. I don't want to talk like that was a gene, like that was pure speculation, pure timing, pure luck, no skill. Sure. Right after I sold it, three months later, the real estate market collapsed, 2007. <laughs> okay. So that was pure luck. Otherwise, I would never sell my house. But I, I'm, curious, I'm curious because you're probably more aware of the, the macroeconomic environment yep, sure. locally to me. When we hear a lot about the real estate collapse, um, uh, most of the, those like major, major like downward spiral crashes, from my understanding, we're in California, Florida, uh, you yeah. know, uh, yeah. Nevada, areas exactly. where there's extreme ups and downs. Correct. Did we suffer that much here? No, we didn't. Let me tell you why. Because oil and gas industry carried us. We Oil was like at $120, $130, $110 a barrel throughout that time. I'll I, I take that back. I think it was at 100 They peaked out in 2014, $128 a barrel, but that's when it crashed. But during 2008 and 2009 and 2007, oil the oil field was kicking. So really the South, Texas, Louisiana, we didn't have that much of a crash. We did have pockets of crashes in certain areas of Louisiana, but not like the rest of the world. Like Phoenix, Arizona lost 70% value, 60% value in some neighborhoods. But you know, on a macro level, nationwide we only had a 15 percent drop nationwide but no you're right louisiana as a whole texas as a whole all those oil field related uh, states didn't have the big big uh, collapse so but um but we we sold the house you know and, and made one hundred twenty-seven thousand dollars. well i took that money and i bought another physical location from another motivated seller of another quick uh, a guy that had a big nice mechanic shop and quick lube off of a, a a city and one of the busiest cities in, in Lafayette called Johnson street. They had like 60,000 yep. cars that pass there a day. I, I caught wind because I was in the quick loop and mechanic business. The other mechanics knew the other mechanics at other stores. And they told me, Hey, look, this dude's about to go bankrupt property taxes. He's not, um, um, he's not uh, doing, you know, what he's supposed to be doing. So I went and I confronted him. I said, Hey man, listen, I know you're about to, you're not paying your property taxes and your sales tax. I know you're going to lose your place. So let's just make a deal. I'll buy your place. So he agreed on a price. I took that 127,000. I got an SBA loan at 25 and I, and I was able to finance his place. I, I paid, I bought it for 860,000. So that was my, my next experience with real estate. So I, I transferred all. So basically 
I, I, I was using the flip game in real estate unknowingly, and I was funding it with from my, my, my mechanic and quick lube business. So after that, found a foreclosure in another little hot little city outside of Lafayette called Youngsville. I bought a foreclosure for like 80000 less than what it was worth. We bought that, fixed that up, flipped that, made another 60000 bought another shop from another guy. And then I sold a piece of property on the bayou. I had bought a, a piece of property on the bayou to, to build a house and we decided not to. I flipped that and made in like four months, we made, ended up making like 40000 I used that as another down payment to lease another building. So I got up to like four locations by flipping real estate. Four nice. locations, my mechanic shop. Well, when I, after I bought those four locations, I got so busy, I had to stop because I was like, I can't, you know, I was expanding too fast. A couple of hurricanes hit while I was doing all that. And, and knocked the my sales knocked the wind out of my sales and, and almost almost crippled almost went bankrupt because I had I bought like three or four stores within like a, a year period and I had two hurricanes hit back to back and shut us down for like a whole month and I had all that overhead and it, it really hurt but it, anyway that was my first entrepreneur I ended up you know pulling out of it you know and, and making it through that but that that was my first real estate experience and then from there Got so busy with the shops for a while, made a lot of money for about four years, didn't pay no attention to real estate, and then got back into real estate about 2010. And because um, I had made a few bucks in the in the mechanic quick loop business, and I wanted to diversify, get back into the real estate game. Well, didn't really know how to buy, you know, source off market deals like I do now. And I was just so I just got with a realtor and I started making tons of offers on MLS with a realtor. I'd make 20, 30 offers, you know, a week and pick up one little single family home for 150 grand. I was maybe worth 200 grand, bought $3 million worth of, you know, single family homes like that over like a two year period. And, um, you know, had an okay equity position. I bought buying them at 80, 85 cents in the dollar, but, but I was buying at the, you know, the, the run up of the market, right? Again. Mm-hmm after 2008. Well, our 2008 in Louisiana wasn't really a 2008. Our 2008 in Louisiana was 2014, especially mm-hmm. in Lafayette, Louisiana, where we're heavily dependent on deep water drilling, not so much where you live in Baton Rouge, because you have all the, mm-hmm. the refineries and it's, that's on the production side. It didn't get hurt as much, but oil went from $128 a barrel to $24 a barrel. We lost tens of thousands of high paying jobs here in Lafayette. Half of my um, half of my rentals went empty because I was leasing out to a lot of oil field workers. Half of my oil field accounts with my quick lube mechanic shops went either bankrupt or moved to Texas. And and 50% of my business was oil field related at all my shops. So it was another double whammy. So that knocked the wind out of me again. And I knew that I I was going to go bankrupt. I was losing $20,000 a month. Well, right around the, 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 that ha- let me back up right when the 2014 crash happened with the oil field luckily about four or five months before that i was like i want to want to get back into real estate full time because i was kind of burnt out on turning wrenches and dealing with employees and dealing with the general public so i was like i want to go full time real estate got me where i'm at i need to get back into real estate so i um i started searching on youtube real estate investing and, and uh somebody some some black guy that was name he would come on and say i'm not a guru i'm a guru and he says he was showing people forty thousand dollars checks of how he was wholesaling real estate. I was like, wholesaling real estate? What is that? And I'd watch his videos. This cool cat, and he was showing me how he's flipping, you know, houses without without actually owning. I was like, man, I could do this. So, right around that same time, I, I learned. I hired. I said, I can do this. So I actually, I actually wholesaled a couple properties on my own that I had bought. I made like fifteen hundred, twenty five hundred bucks. I was like, okay, I could do this. This is real. 
So I went, I went and I hired three mentors back to back to back. And 30 days after my second mentor, I started making some, some serious money. I, I made $47,000 on the side while still running my shops by putting out a bunch of banded signs, putting out letters. Mm. And I started wholesaling houses. Well, the money, when I started making good money, I was making 40, 50, 60, sometimes 80,000 in one month. And thank God I, that I, the timing of that was perfect because all those rentals that I had just bought from 2010 to 2012, half of them were, va- were, were empty. The other, other third of them or a quarter of them weren't paying on time because the economy was destroyed here in, in Lafayette. Sure. And I was literally covering my losses with the whole, like I really wasn't even making a profit. I was making a bunch of money, but it was just covering my losses with my shops and the single family homes that I had bought. So I literally went up to my employees and my managers in my shop and said, Hey man, listen, y'all don't call me unless somebody dies. I'm doing this full time. So I went, I went all in, I went full time real estate investing and wholesaling, flipping property, started making, you know, good money, six figures a month. And I literally basically dug myself out of a hole financially through my wholesaling business and then slowly started selling off all those single family homes and then slowly sold off all those shops. I still have one of those shops to this day that I still can't sell, but, um, end up doing really good with a couple of shops, making a few bucks and, uh, 1031 exchange it into some short-term vacation rentals on the beach in Destin, Florida and some other, some other properties. And, um, from there, I realized single family homes is not where I want it to be because it proved to me that high-end nice brick on slab single family homes was not the way to go because they they couldn't make it through a recession right but I, what i did notice is that the affordable housing investors that i knew of that had you know some little 40 dollars older houses maybe a three one two one they were, they were getting 650 to 800 bucks a month in rent they all still paid rent there was still a lot of people that could afford that but nobody could afford 1500 to two thousand dollars a month so that that was a light my, bulb that went in my head my, i was my buddy that does low income in North Baton Rouge has a say, and he said, it's always a recession in the hood. <laughs> he ain't lying. <laughs> it's all, it's recession proof because they always in a recession. <laughs> so, so unbeknownst to me, I was like, I'm going to go get into the low end uh, rental game thinking that that's where I need to be. So I bought a bunch of, you know, I would say hood houses, you know, low end houses wood frame houses, did that for a little while, did, did better than I was doing with the single family home model. And it was okay. It was, it was maintenance intensive. And you had, you know, they, they we had a few problems and nothing, nothing crazy. I was like, okay, this, this model is better than what I was doing. Did that for about a year or two in, in conjunction with that wholesaling flipping. And I was at a barber shop one day and I picked up a business finance book. They had an article by Warren Buffett. He said, Mobile home parks and mobile homes will be the wave of the future because mobile homes are the last vestiges of affordable housing because of where, where their economy is going, demographics, inflation, um, uh, income is not keeping up with the, with the inflation. The baby boomers are retiring, get rid of their single family homes. Uh, the millennials are not wanting to buy brick, brick on slab houses and get strapped with all kind of debt. On top of that, they have so much student debt that they can't pay off. So the next generation is not going to be building all these brick on slab, nice single family homes in the, in the future. And that affordable housing is the way to go. I read that article about four and a half years ago, and that made a lot of sense to me, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, made, that made a lot of sense to me, Sterling. And I was like, you know what? 
I see mobile home parks all over the place and always thought that was like trailer park trash, right? Sure. I don't want Well, while I, while I, it, I had, a, I had a, something dawned on me while I was doing all the wholesaling the past couple of years prior to that, I'd get a lot of people calling me to sell their, their mobile homes to be moved. And I didn't want to buy it or wholesale because I didn't know what to do with a mobile home, right? Sure. But I was like, I bet, and, and they were willing to give them away, literally give them away for like two grand, five grand, 10 grand. These are nice trailers. I said, I bet you now that if I buy a mobile home park, I can haul in these mobile homes through my wholesaling business that I pick up for five, 10 grand and get, you know, seven, 800 bucks a month in rent and really increase my cash flow and spreads. So I bought my first, and it's kind of one of those things, right? Whatever you pay attention to, you're going to attract or you're going to start. Sure, you know. sure. So I was like, I'm going to start looking for a mobile home park. Not a 30 days later, a realtor brought me a mobile home park because he knew I knew I was a real estate investor. And he said, hey, man, I got this mobile home park that this family inherited. The dad just died. They want to get rid of it. Well, I ended up buying my first mobile home park here in Lafayette. It was a 24 unit for 405000 appraised for 735000 nice. And but and it was only getting about seventy two hundred bucks a month in rent as is, but it had about seven empty trailers and the rents were low. They weren't at current market value. And it was in pretty good shape and it was it was on, it wasn't in the best areas on the north side of Lafayette, but it was right next to a McDonald's. So if a McDonald's is willing, you know, and that McDonald's is really busy, and I knew that area because I went to high school right down the road. I said I'll take a, a risk on this. Well, I bought that, and sure enough, I meshed my wholesaling business where I was picking up trailers for like, you know, two grand, five grand, 10 grand with the mobile home park business. I started buying these leads that would come in. If people want to sell the trailers, I would pick up their trailers for 500. Put I had them one in your I, park. And I'd put them in my park for, you know, two grand, five grand, seven grand. And I, I would, I might be all in after pulling them in, setting them up and, 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 um, putting a few bucks into them for say seven to 10 grand, but I was getting seven, 800 bucks a month in rent. So my risk, go ahead. So you were, you're renting out the trailers because the, I own, yes, I own the trailer and okay. the dirt. Cause that, that, that's kind of a unique model. If a lot of the other mobile home park investors that I've interviewed, they'll say all they want is the land and they'll they immediately owner finance out the, the trailers to avoid the maintenance. Right. Um, so th that is true in a sense, but that's just a lazy way of being an investor, right? <laughs> Sure. A mobile home doesn't have any more, any less maintenance than an apartment, any more, any less than a single family home. Why do I know that? Because I own apartments and I own single family homes. You know, if people think, oh, it's trailer park trash, they fall apart, yada, yada, yada. It's not true. It's a, it, it's, I don't know who said that. I, I was actually born into a trailer in 1981. That same trailer today is still being rented out. That trailer was a 72, 73 model when my parents brought me home in it. It is still being rented out today. I think that trailer was probably cost 10, 12,000 back in 74, 75. That trailer to this day gets 750 a month in rent and it's still being rented out and it's been renovated. And maybe I guess maybe renovated two or three times, but it doesn't hurt no more, no less than single family home or, or an apartment. It sits on a metal frame, right? And it's got, <laughs> it's got a subfloor. It's got, got insulation. It's got a roof. It's got cabinets, floors. I mean, you just change all that out just like you would a single family home or an apartment, right? So there's the first big uh, misnomer that, that, you know, that that's a bad investment. They fall apart. Secondly, the city frowns on it because they don't want, and there's usually like a lot of these cities don't want mobile home parks inside the city. And because they say they're an eyesore and they bring down the value of, of other homes, which may be true in a sense. But the real reason is that they don't tell you is that there's no revenue in mobile home parks for the state, for the property taxes. Yeah. You can't tax it. 
right? Yeah. They they want single family homes, right? In apartments, brick on slab, lots and lots lots of tax revenue for the city, and that's the real reason why they've had a moratorium and they don't let them inside the city. So you don't have property tax on mobile homes? Barely, dude. I, I so let, let me just so that, the land. You're just paying property tax on the land. Basically, I mean it's yeah. I mean so. The property tax, like that one park, I might pay like twenty five hundred dollars a year for all twenty four of those units. And and uh, that park right now is the first park I bought. I paid four hundred five. I probably put a hundred. Let's call it one hundred and twenty five, maybe one hundred and fifty into it over the past four years. That park gets almost sixteen thousand dollars a month on four hundred thousand dollars of debt. What does that in real estate? Right. Nothing. Nothing. That 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 park spits money. That park spits out eight to ten thousand dollars a month every every month. Now, now is there maintenance? Sure, but if you understand how to harden a trailer, like I we split tested, we 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 done trial and error. We've used different. You know, we use the hard vinyl planks that are lifetime. Yeah. When we use the luxury vinyl planks, not you know not the cheap stuff. This lifetime, uh, we get brand new Lowe's cabinets, uh, Formica, the grain white Formica, and we put um, wood paneling. It looks like white and and gray wood paneling on the, on the, on the, um, on the walls. It looks phenomenal. We put a metal roof It's done that, that, and if, if, if this, if the floors are soft from the old, you know, press wood that it used to put, we just change out all the floors and put three quarter inch treated plywood. It's lifetime. Once you do all that and you say you spend 10, 15 grand, that trailer is good for another 30 years. Like, yeah, you have basic maintenance on it. Maybe, you know, a busted pipe or somebody punches a hole in the paneling, or the cabinets after, you know, eight to 10 years need to be changed out again, but it doesn't mess up no more and no less than wear and tear you get from a renter of an apartment or wear and tear from a, a single family home. Right. But your cost is exponentially lower. Right. Right. So you're, but, and, and your rent is not that much lower than a single family home or an apartment. So what's your criteria when you're looking for these mobile home parks? I like 20, I, I you know, just for pure economies of scale, I need 20 units or more you know, for property management and to make it worth my wild. Um, I look for uncaptured appreciated rents. You know, obviously, you know, we want to make sure that in typically a lot of these mobile home park owners are mom and pops. They're older people, they're baby boomers. They, they haven't typically went up on the rents and there's usually like a hundred to 50 to $200 gap in where they're at versus where we can bring them to. Um, good area, you know, jobs where at least there's jobs, you know, within the city. I don't want to go too far out in the country. Um, I'll go out. I, had, the country. A, I had a guy reach out to me the other day. He does my electrical work and he was or one of my electric guys. He, he was looking for a house to rent because he was currently living in a trailer in Ascension Parish and he was paying $1,100 a month. I said, people pay $1,100 a month to live in trailers. I'm in the wrong business. Dude, I get I'm getting a thousand bucks a month. I own, own uh, four or five parks in Baton Rouge. Well, around the Baton Rouge area, I own two in Gonzalez, one in Zachary. He might be your tenant. <laughs> well, it might be. I get, I get a thousand dollars a month for, for like older, for like, you know, 10, 15 year old, three bedroom, two bath, 16, I'm sorry, 16 by eighties. And we get three bedroom, two bath. I mean, we get a thousand bucks a month all day, every day. And I got brand new trailers that we're getting 11 and $1,200 a month in Denham Springs. So, and I've paid, and those are brand new. I paid like $45,000 for them brand new, no maintenance. I'll have maintenance for probably five, 10 years. And I'm getting 11, 1200 bucks. So, I mean, the, the connotation that, oh, you don't get good rent or, oh, they fall apart or, oh, this or, oh, that. 
is all horseshit. I've, I've been doing this for four and a half years. Hey, you want to keep playing with those apartments? You want to keep playing with a single family home? <laughs> Go right ahead. I'll, you know, not as pretty as as sexy as a, an apartment or single family home, but I, I learned pretty and sexy. Don't pay the bills. I want something that cash flows. I want something that cash flows remarkably good. There's nothing that I've done in real estate up to this date that even comes close to what I'm doing with mobile home parks. I'm now I'm partnered up with people all over the country through my coaching and mentoring program. We've got five deals in a contract right now, one in Tampa, um, one in Sulphur, Louisiana, uh, one in Pensacola, Louisiana. I'm closing on two in Indiana with some students uh, Friday. Um, you know, all, all properties that basically investors don't want to even look at because it's park owned mobile home parks. They think it's trailer park trash and, that's there's the vacuum, right? You, when everybody goes left, you, you want to go right. Everybody says, I've looked at a lot of rent parks. They're selling, they're selling for like a five or six cap. It don't make any sense. Why would I, why would I borrow millions of dollars worth of debt to get a five or six cap? And then, and then apartments right now in a good area selling for a three to four cap. Like it's, it, <laughs> it, it doesn't make any logical sense to even invest in apartments right now. I mean, I'm not to say you can't find a good deal, it would be have to be off market before anybody knows about it. But I like to play in the in the 20 to 40, 20 to 50 unit mobile home parks because big money doesn't want to mess with it and small mm-hmm. money get into it. Right. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I want to hop over to our radio round to help our listeners get to know you a little bit just for the sense of time. It's just three quick questions. The first one is what's your favorite book? Man, my favorite my favorite book up until now, I'm going to tell you two of them because I, I just switched. Um, the Science of Getting Rich was my favorite book for a long time. Okay. Everybody thinks Napoleon Hill's thinking the, is the, 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 the original, you know, book on mindset and all that and visualization. No, he actually got his information from this guy that wrote the science of getting rich. It was written in like 1912, unbelievable book, really short. It's probably, I've read that book seven, eight times. It's, you should read it almost once a year. It'll change your life. However, the next book I just, I just read Tim Grover's winning. If you don't know Tim Grover is Tim Grover is Michael Jordan's mentor. Yeah. He, I met him at the Grant Cardone's 10 X conference a couple of times. And um, I sat, I actually sat right, right next to him at, at the first uh, 10X and got to talk to him. But he wrote a book by, uh, that was pretty much all about how winners act. Like he literally studied the sure. most high sports stars, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade. He, you know, he coached all those guys and he, he documented how they thought and how to, you know, what winning really looks like in the mind. And it, it is probably the most, uh, refre- one of the most refreshing books. If you're a high performance person that loves to grind and loves to make money, loves to, you know, put in the, you know, 80 hours a week, like I do. And, and just absolutely loves to, to, I look at real estate. I look at making money. It's a sport, right? Real estate's a sport. Mm-hmm. And, it, and if you can apply the mindset of you get inside the head, the head of Michael Jordan and think like he thinks and, and act like he acts, you might get some of those results, but in your business, right? Sure. And that book is a phenomenal book on mindset and, and how to really dominate, right? It's called Winning by uh, Tim Grover. I would pick it up. I, I'm going to probably read that book once a year because it was, it was that good. Um, so, yeah, th- those are probably my two favorite books up until this point. Awesome. I'm going to check them out both. Uh, next one is, what's your favorite quote? Man, I was thinking about that. Um, That's why Jim? I tell people ahead of time. <laughs> um, 
is uh is one of my favorite uh, you know jim rome is sure sure he was uh tony robbins mentor correct and um he had a quote and i actually i actually forgot you you asked me to think about it but i couldn't remember <laughs> i don't know if you're in front of a computer you can, uh, google it real quick and uh but i think i'm trying to think how it goes um he said um and i don't want to misspeak but I could probably correct it a lot, half the times on the show. I know the damn quotes better than the people yeah, giving them to me. Um, <laughs> basically, meant that um, you know, working yourself until you know, working. I don't. I, I don't want to bush it. Somebody. I, I used to know it, but I, and somebody's asked me that before, but I haven't. I haven't looked at it in a while. But it's actually all over my Instagram because I post it at least once a year because it's so good. I don't even want to try to. Even, I, I can't. <laughs> Look up, I'm gonna, look up I, yeah, look up Jim, Jim Rome famous quotes. And it basically talks about how the, the way you make money is through personal development. Yep. Yep. It's all about personal development. You, you don't, you don't worry. It's an inside job first, right? You, you got to work on yourself first because you, you, money is attracted to, to people that, that think about it all the time or who are, who are actually, um, I know what quote you're talking about and I can't, I can't. I'm like, shit. And I'll usually always quote it all the time. It's aggravating the shit out of me. But um, yeah, anyway, um, I, when, I, when we hang up, it's going to pop in my mind. So. Sure. That's how it works. <laughs> Look it up, it's so, so what's your favorite thing to do outside of work? Read, man. I, I love to read. I mean, I, I, all I do is read. I mean, if you look, uh, I literally, I, I'm going to switch my camera here. Just, I mean, you could see. That's 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 a that's a small fraction of books that I, you got some nice. right there. Stack them. Yeah, I I, uh, I got them lined up as well. <laughs> there you go. So um, I got some more right there on the countertop. But um, man, I, I love it. Reading is um, if I had a, I, I read about two hours a day in the morning. I wake up about six in the morning, drink my coffee, and I read. I mean, it, you know, I, I like to. I like to feed, you can't just feed, you know, you can't just take care of your body. You see all those cats that, you know, all they do is work out and look, I left where I just came back from the gym, you know, but you got to work on mind, body, spirit, right. And, and the mind, you feed the mind through books, right. You, you got, and, and that's how you, you're going to grow personally. Right. And I think the greatest untapped asset is, is books. People heavily underestimate how powerful books are and reading the words of wisdom from people that have experienced stuff that you don't have to experience, but you can obtain through their readings. Yeah. There is a, go ahead. And I put, I put a higher premium on physically reading words out of a book versus a lot of other ways of consuming content. Oh, that, that's and, and because words are symbols, right? They have a higher impression on the mind and subconscious than, than listening to it audio. People don't understand. People, well, I, I don't like to read, Chris. I listen to audio. Well, that's great. I guess it's better than not doing anything, but you're yeah. not going to substitute reading. And people are like, I have a headache or I can't, you know, I, I, I'm not good with reading. Well, just look up all the misunderstood words that you don't understand in the dictionary. If you don't understand some of these, because some of these guys that are, you know, super learned that lived 100 years ago, I mean, these guys are geniuses. They would speak in words that you, you almost have to have a dictionary on the side of you. But Reading is so powerful because it's symbols and it, those symbols have an impression on the, on the, your mental state and will literally uh, change your behavior, your attitude, your, your awareness about things. And that's all it does. That's all books do. That's all personal development does. It, it raises your awareness about things. So you have a greater understanding of life and, and how to do something that maybe somebody struggle with that figure out an easier way to do it. But there is a quote by Socrates that I really love that just pops in my mind. He says, uh, I'm going to butcher it, but I, I know it 
pretty good. He says, um, labor yourself in other men's writings so that you shall obtain easily what other men have, have struggled hard for. That's awesome. And that, and that goes back to reading. Like you could literally find out what somebody struggled hard for and and nugget that they found easily by just reading their, their stuff. Yep. Yep. I love it. It's like having lunch with, you know, the smartest people in history and just picking their brain. Absolutely, man. But, um, but yeah, man, reading, I, I enjoyed, you know, working out. I mean, I, hanging out with me and my, my wife and, and looking at real estate all day. I mean, as I mean, we truly live a, a full-time real estate investor's life. We do land development, a, a wholesale and flip here in Lafayette. I have partners in Baton Rouge, um, partners in Florida. I do nationwide wholesale and flip. I have a team that, that does this nationwide. Um, we develop land. I own mobile home parks all over the country. I own some apartments here locally in Lafayette, 105 units with some partners. Um, I'm just a full-time real estate investor, right? We coach. I do masterminds at my beach house in Destin, Florida. Well, tell us about, um, tell us about all the ways our listeners can get in touch with you, find out more about you, get into your coaching, learn from you. Yeah. So you can follow me on Facebook at Chris Root Entrepreneur on my business page, press the like button or just go on Chris Root, my, my personal page. I'm maxed out with friends, but just press the the follow button. You better see what I'm doing. And then, uh, Instagram at real estate root, LinkedIn, at Chris Rude, uh, TikTok Chris Rude, and then uh, you can go to chrisrude.com, my website, and you can uh, you know read up on how a, you know a wholesale and flip. We own about twenty five million dollars worth of real estate right now. That you know, mostly works. We, you know, we teach people how. Sorry, I keep having calls. We teach people how to do what I'm doing: wholesaling, flipping, mobile home park investing. I and mean, if you're a new, you know, if you're somebody new that's just getting into real estate, I did everything backwards, right? You shouldn't start off with buying. You to learn. I mean, I almost went bankrupt twice. I kind of told you guys my story. I mean, we were this, we were this close to just say, hey, let's just throw it. It was easier just to throw a towel in. And, and I probably actually probably should have filed bankruptcy, to be honest with you. I mean, I probably I got a car wash right now. Don't mean to kind of get off track. I got a car wash right now that I'm almost a million bucks in the hole to over the past eight years that I've been stroking a check just to keep open, just to keep my credit. But you know, it ain't all pretty and sunshine, rainbows being an entrepreneur and even a real estate investor. Yeah, that's true. But it's um, worth it, right? It'll give you f- more freedom than any job or more fulfillment and satisfaction, anything that you could possibly, uh, you know, imagine, but also give you more pain and tears and sleepless nights also. But, you know, if you want to learn, you want to start off with wholesaling because what wholesaling does is the basic foundation. If you don't know how to buy right, if you don't know how to go direct to sell and source off market properties, you're never going to better get good deals. The deals are not on MLS. The deals are off market. Yeah. You can get deals from real pocket listings, but I almost went bankrupt buying all those single family homes because I paid, I paid 90, you know, 90 to 85, 80 cents on the dollar, making a bunch of offers with realtors. Realtors are not y'all do all of real estate. They're, 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 they're realtors, right? That's, that's like (laughs) just, they find, they, they, they're, they're broke, broke in between deals. You want to go direct to seller. You want to find off heavily discount off market properties for motivated sellers. The way you do that is a direct is doing direct, you know, direct to seller marketing, Facebook ads, PPC, SEO, direct mail, cold calling, all those things. And that way you can source and buy deals. That, dude, I literally buy it. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. If I can't steal it, Sterling, I'm not buying it. Right. Right. That's my motto. Period. Sure. Now, sure. Now, you know, uh, you know, uh, disrespectful no i'm an investor i'm not a retail buyer i don't pretend to to buy somebody's house to live there i'm looking for a deal and what that does is when if i buy it super cheap then it, it hedges me against the market you know the market corrections of going up and down 
if I can buy some at 50 cents on a dollar and we have a 20% correction, you know, great. I'm, I'm still good. But if you buy some at 80 cents on the dollar and you have a 20% correction, like I was doing before when I was buying deals off realtors off MLS, dude, you upside down at best. Right. Right. I lost a lot of money. I had to sell off all those single family homes because I didn't know what I was doing. Right. So, but yeah, man, um, awesome. my, my lovely wife. <laughs> Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciated you coming on the show. Definitely give me a holler next time you're in Baton Rouge. I'd love to buy you lunch and, and hear more about your program and about your mobile home parks. Um, thanks so much. And we look forward to keeping up with you in your journey. Awesome, brother. Appreciate you. Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Crestworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. You can also visit us at CrestworthCapital.com or RentRollRadio.com or follow us on Facebook at RentRollRadio or at Crestworth Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at RentRollRadio.com or sterling at CrestworthCapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing. <laughs>